0: Hey, welcome back to Worthy to Wealthy Podcast. Guys, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know if anyone was actually going to listen to these episodes (laughs) when I launched the podcast. So, however, because I'm an entrepreneur and we forge into the unknown um, in pursuit of our desires, I decided to launch the podcast anyways and I am literally so happy and excited about the comments i've been getting so melissa galley is a friend of mine and she said this to me and i thought this is some straight fire inspiration she says don't look at the numbers meaning like downloads and that's you too don't look at the amount of likes don't look at your sales just keep doing it consistently That is so true. It's all about showing up. And then she's so sweet. She says, The world needs you to keep unleashing the raw, unrehearsed version of what's inside you. And podcasting is a great format for you to do that. I will always be your fan listening. Okay. What? That is the nicest thing anyone has ever said about me. And literally I just want you to pretend like that's me saying that exact sentence to you thank you so much Melissa you are the freaking best yeah you're right it is all about showing up consistently anything the results always come like the years are gonna pass no matter what and it's up to us you know what we do with those days that just click by All right, well, so this episode is the top things my mama taught me in business. Number one, say yes before you are ready. I think this goes contrary to so many things that we are taught, especially as girls growing up. Society tells us that we have to have everything absolutely perfect, prior to starting anything and my mom it's not that she ever said this to me directly she wasn't like do things before you're ready but I saw her do things before she was ready for instance I remember her coming home from work one day and telling me I quit my job actually she was laid off she started making more money than the boys they turned against her in sales long story and they literally laid her off They're like you can't work here anymore and she was shocked and i remember her sitting me down i think i was 10 years old and she said i got laid off i didn't even know what that was but don't worry i'm starting my own business and she had never had her own brokerage before yet she started anyways and so as a kid That made an impression on me and I thought, okay, well, if my mom can do something and be courageous like that, that must mean that it's okay to be courageous and step out on faith and do things. So that was one example. Another one was, I remember she came home and she was a member of the Rotary Club and the board of directors nominated her to be Rotary Club president. She had never been president before of a Rotary Club, and she said yes. And then they wanted her to be the chairwoman to run these camps for teenagers. She had never done that either, and she said yes. Throughout my whole childhood, I saw her doing things. Other people would be like, well, you've never done that before. Like, how do you think you're going to make that happen? I think I just saw that, and that was an unconscious lesson passed down to me that Just go ahead and say yes before you're ready. Go ahead and start that thing before you're ready. You're never going to be ready. How did you learn how to do anything? You just showed up and started doing it and then you got better. Hello, did you know anything about taxes before you became an adult? Even as you were an adult, 18, 19. I didn't know jack shit about taxes. I barely actually learned about taxes and I have so much more to learn in that. And I run a 30-person, $2.4 million business. There's so many examples of the fact that you're already doing things that you didn't know how to do before. That's number one. Number two, this lesson is so important. My mom operated always in a construct of abundance. I never heard her tearing other women down, tearing other men down, tearing other businesses down. And I'll never forget, this is my first experience into entrepreneurship. Probably wasn't my first, but the first one that I can really remember. And My dad, mom, sister, and I went to a parade in Great Eagle, California. It was a 4th of July parade and my mom did this experiment with us and we ordered these glow sticks out of the oriental express magazine which was like amazon back in the 90s and we had these glow sticks arrive at our house we took them to this parade and we were gonna sell these glow sticks to you know the people watching the parade Well, we get out our glow sticks and we're walking around and we're starting to sell them when all of a sudden my mom sees this woman and these teenagers selling glow sticks also. Granted, so I need to tell you that we were just visitors. We were visiting. I honestly do not remember why we were in Great Eagle, California. The girls that were selling also were the local cheerleading squad. And I will never forget this. Like I think I was about 12 or something like that, maybe 10. And I thought to myself, we aren't gonna sell out and I'm gonna lose all my money because we had to put our own allowance in to buy these damn glow sticks. And it was like this entrepreneurship experiment my mom wanted to teach my sister and I about. I was literally like afraid. I thought to myself, I'm gonna lose my allowance. My mom looks at me and she's like, this is their town, their local cheerleaders. There will always be enough. Don't worry. We will sell out. And she's like, we're going to put our glow sticks away and we're going to let these girls sell out their glow sticks because they were raising money for their cheerleading squad. Guys, it's moments like that that make an impression on your kids. It's not what we say. It's what we do that actually matters. And so I remember watching these girls sell out of their glow sticks and at that point it was like dusk and it began to get dark All of a sudden, we cracked open a few glow sticks and before we knew it, we were completely swarmed. I remember my little sister was completely like attacked by super aggressive moms wanting to buy glow sticks for their kids. My sister was so afraid she started to cry, like dropped her glow sticks. It was this big thing. Anyways, all in all, like we sold out, we doubled our money and I was like, this is freaking sweet. Like you buy stuff, you sell it and you freaking make money. Wow. So that was number two, like there's always enough money money to go around there's always enough abundance like you'll always be taken care of if you do the right thing number three so number three was a constant theme and phrase in my family so both of my parents would always say there's always room at the top I don't know why or like why they wanted to say this phrase, but like every time when I was a kid, I'd, I was super sassy. Like I still am, but I've learned to tame it a little bit. But as a kid, I remember I would complain about teachers. I'd be like, these teachers, they just... They just don't know anything, and especially 7th grade math. I'm just going to be honest. How come she assigns this and then she wants us to do this? Doesn't she realize? Like I would bitch and moan. And my parents would always say anytime that I was complaining, they'd always be like, well, Natalie, you know, there's lots of room at the top. And in my head, what that translated to as a teenager and a you know preteen, there's always room to make improvements there's always room to be the top in any category and subconsciously like i took on this feeling of there's room at the top for me like i belong at the top and so that was kind of a bizarre one but that like really really has stuck with me number four don't dummy down. So my mom would always say this. I think there's studies that talk about women in the classroom and how if there's a classroom full of women, they're girls, they're more likely to ask questions and be engaged than if there's boys in the classroom. And my mom read so many books about how to raise teenagers and. You know, she would always be like, Natalie, in class, don't dummy down. Like, if you know the answer, raise your hand and say the freaking answer. Like, if you don't know the answer, still raise your hand, participate, like be engaged. Basically, don't dim your light. But she'd always be like, don't dummy down in front of other people to try to fit in. Both she and my dad really instilled that one. Number five, game changer. As a businesswoman, there's this thing called the second shift. And there's this, I think that there's even a book about it. It's about basically working outside the home women, take on both the outside the homework and then come home and have to do the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, the organizing, the shuttling kids back and forth, the calendaring, the management of the household, the paying of the bills, the coordinating of the sleepovers, and all of that just life management stuff. And I remember I was in um, college in a sociology class and we were reading that book. Really think it was called The Second Shift. Early on when I wasn't making, I mean, I was making like $40,000 a year. I remember Ugo, (laughs) bless his heart. (laughs) He was used to like cleaning on the weekends with his family and he was just kind of like why don't you clean and I mean I'm just gonna be straight up with you like love me or hate me like I didn't grow up cleaning I didn't I mean I would tidy up my room but. We didn't spend our weekends scrubbing toilets or vacuuming carpets. And I think that that made it really easy for me to be like when I got married and Ugo and I started having, you know, a little bit of contention on that. So lying. We had like a lot of contention on that point in our first years of marriage. I just looked at him and I was like, I don't know who you think you married. I'm a businesswoman and I'm going to make a lot of money and you don't have to worry about the money part. I'm going to hire somebody to clean our house. I was making $40,000 a year. And so my mom really instilled that into my sister and I, like get help, you know, get an assistant, get someone to clean your house, get someone to, you know, meal prep for you. Don't run yourself in the freaking ground. Oh, I'm getting a rant. I'm going to start on a rant and wear it like a freaking badge of pride. You know, use your energy wisely, use your energy to serve, to create, to give back, to spend time with your family. Like I'm so blessed right now. I've worked so hard to create the abundance and Ugo has has multiplied that abundance through our investments and all of that to where we have so much help. The other day, somebody DM'd me on Instagram and they're like, how do you feel about being a working mom, you know, running a business and being a mom? The honest to God answer is I have so much help. Help. It just grew and grew. You know, first it was a housekeeper, and then we did like a HelloFresh type meal service. Friends, this girl, Natalie, she doesn't cook. I make money. I create things. That is it. And then I like have fun with Ugo and Tino and I serve. We have a nonprofit and all of this. I'm not well rounded. I'm not cooking meals. I'm not doing laundry. I'm not grocery shopping. I'm not doing housekeeping. I'm not, you know, a super social person. You know, I'm I'm not going out on Friday and Saturday nights like I'm very, you know, I like to create things. I like my work. I love what I do. I love coaching. I love events. I love personal growth. I love reading. I love deep conversations. I love playing with Tino and like burning off that stress and using that as an outlet. We love to like play soccer inside the house, which I never got to do as a kid. Anyways, I'm kind of going on a tangent now, but get help, you guys. Start somewhere. Start with somebody come to clean your house every other week and then start with a meal service, and then get an assistant, and then You know, have somebody that makes your dinners every night and then hire somebody to make your lunches. If you want to build an empire, if you want to get to, you know, a million in revenue or a million in profit, you're going to need to leverage different aspects of your life and you're going to need to be okay with that. And just accept the fact there are certain things that you don't do. Most awesome thing is when I come home from work, I don't have to do any of that. I get to play and be 100% with Tino and Ugo. If I were, had to come home, do laundry, make food, change sheets, make sure my house is clean, I sincerely don't know how people do it. It's way too much when you are running a business and growing a business. It's way, way, way too much. Even if you're not doing that, even a stay-at-home mom needs help. Everybody needs help. Okay, I'm sorry. That's obviously something I'm super passionate about because I don't know where I would be without the help that I have. I would be completely and utterly lost. Number five was a very passionate topic for me. Thanks for sticking with me if you made it through all of that ranting. I sincerely want the best for you and I know you need help and so that's why I spent so much time on that topic. Okay, if you end up deciding to hire an assistant, housekeeper, someone to cook your meals, please DM me. I must know. Number six, ask for the order. Okay, both of my parents' really really like nailed this one in so ask for the order you do not get what you don't ask for you know if you're not going to every single appointment and saying hey would you like to hire me as your one-on-one coach or when would you like to get started coaching with me or You know, how about we sign the listing paperwork and I can go ahead and start the marketing? Or, hey, how do you feel about, you know, us working together? Here's my personal training system. One, two, three, and four. Sign right here and we can get started next week. Asking for the order is everything. It's everything. Hey, why don't you stop by my boutique and see all the new clothes we have? Hey, DMing someone, you know, a picture of... I don't know, the newest outfit that you have in your store and saying, I think this would look really good on you. You know, I'm around on Thursday at four and want to come by and try it on. You don't get what you don't ask for. So that's number six. Number seven is a little bit controversial, I think at least. So my mom taught me as a businesswoman, this is specifically for women, because I think that women have this tendency to be really like nurturing and motherly and things like that, which is awesome, beautiful characteristic. Unless you work in like an all-women company that is very like women-focused, you're going to have to learn how to basically adapt and live and you can use your femininity my mom was really adamant she's like I don't want you guys my sister and I baking office treats this could be like super freaking polarizing but don't bake office treats don't bring homemade office treats clarify I will occasionally bring cookies but they are always store-bought do not bake things and bring them to your office. Why? Because unconsciously, if you have like a male boss or even male co-workers, in their mind, primal unconscious level, they're going to just see you as mom figure. And when men think of women as their mom, they're not going to think, oh, this woman is capable of running a team. They don't put moms and boss ass bitch leaders in the same category. Let's be real. And so don't bring homemade treats to the office. That's number seven. Okay, was that super raw? I, I mean, it's true though. So no homemade treats. Number eight is also if you're in a male-dominated room or team or company, do not be the one to right off the bat offer to take notes. If you are consistently the note taker and yet you want to be seen as a you know, leadership potential, you want to maybe, you know, buy this company, or maybe you even are the leader, don't be the one taking notes in a meeting. Also, unconsciously, that person that's taking notes is the assistant, the one that's running the coffees and things like that. It's not the person leading an organization. And so don't take notes. I mean, seriously, I'm sorry, not sorry that if you're offended. I'm just telling you what I've learned from, you know, my mom who, and here's the other thing, being feminine and everything, like I, I mean, I'm feminine. I think I come off as really feminine, but I think I also come off as like feminine power. So there's a difference between like feminine lover and feminine power. And we all have different aspects. You know, when I come home from work, I am not the same person at home as I am at work. I'm not a different person. I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. I'm not putting on a show. There's just different aspects of me. And at work, I am in my work mode. I'm in power mode. I'm in warrior Natalie mode. And at home, I'm in lover mode. I'm in, you know, mother mode. I'm in soft, playful, gentle Natalie mode. I can't, come home and be that warrior, Natalie. Otherwise, I wouldn't still have a husband. (laughs) Seriously. And I can't go to the office and be like, lover, playful, you know, mother mode. It just wouldn't work. I wouldn't even be able to deal with, you know, half of the problems and challenges that show up in the business. So moving on. though we're on number nine, things my mama taught me. My parents both taught me dress the part. My mom always said, don't dress like you're going to a nightclub. Dress like you own the business. So no matter what position that I have been in, whether it was, you know, when I worked at Macy's and I was a sales manager, I always would wear blazers. I would wear heels. I don't really wear heels anymore. I wear like boots that are like pointy toe heeled boots. That's like my kind of go-to now because they're way more comfortable than heels. But anyways, just dress better than you think that you need to dress for the role that you're in. And that could be like, you know, 1950s advice, but I still think it applies to this day and age because there's something that happens in your mind when you see somebody really put together. You're like, oh yeah, they've they've got their shit together. All right, number 10 is don't discount your fee oh my gosh, I think people do this all the time, especially women, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll give you a discount, you're my friend, or I'll give you a discount this, or, you know, whatever. So throughout watching my mom negotiate and really seeing her and how she dealt with transactions, I would see her never negotiate her fee until the very end. She would use that as the absolute last leverage tool that she had in her tool belt like if a deal was going south and she knew it was gonna die if she didn't put in you know two or three thousand dollars of her commission to save the entire deal then only that point would she actually negotiate on her commission other than that it was never up for grabs because I think people are way too quick to erode their profit margin by giving discounts. So don't discount your products, especially right off the bat. Always, always charge people full price and always make sure that you have a profit in your sale. My dad would always say, a sale without profit is a sale without honor. Make sure that every single sale that you have has a big enough margin to where you are reaping a profit from that because that is why you're in business in the first place. Okay, beautiful friends. Those were the 10 things I learned from my mama and my dad too. So I hope you loved this. I would love you to DM me, screenshot this, share this, share this with someone that is, you know, in business that needs to know to stop bringing those office treats. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, guys. Like I said, I grew up with a really, really intense powerhouse mom, but You know, I got to say, only 1% of women-owned businesses ever reach over a million dollars gross. So there's a reason for this kind of not conventional advice. Because 99% of people uh, don't quite make it so far. And if that's your goal, then that's the advice I'm going to give you. Okay, I'm going to give you number 11. Number 11 is be specific and clear. So I think in communication, especially women, can be super vague. I'd love to help you out on that. That statement is super vague. Or, you know, let me know how I can help. Vague, 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 not concrete, not straightforward. So number 11 would be like, be clear in your communication. Like I would love for us to work together and absolutely love to be your coach i have two spots opening this month what do you think you know versus don't be wishy-washy don't be vague because with vague statements you're going to get vague answers and you'll make vague money which is not what i desire for you okay guys again share this screenshot this send me dms always open to more podcast suggestions And I wish you the very best week, day, next five minutes of your entire life. Okay, sending you hugs. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.